Hello. Hello. <coughs> John, that- meet uh, Daniel. Hello, Daniel. How are Hello, you? Hello, John. It's very aware that Brody's asleep. I'm like, am I booming or not? I don't know. Well, my one's wandering about upstairs somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's gone out. Oh, no, so you're actually in charge? Well, <laughs> I'm allowed to. This is going to be fun. <clears throat> well, welcome to the show. And um, we should uh, introduce you. Uh, can you can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what who you are and what you do? I'm Daniel Bennyworth Gray, uh, book designer and uh, writer for Creative Review mostly. And just other, just generally making a noise on the internet. That's pretty much what I do. I do. You're getting very good at that bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> not to say you're not the rest, but... <laughs> You've been making quite a noise recently, haven't you? Yeah. Was it? I tweeted. I can't remember what it was. Was it uh, telephone seats or gossip seats? Just two days ago, and it just took off. And my phone has just been relentless with notifications. Do you have your notifications very carefully controlled, or you just let yeah. everything flood in like a tsunami? I've had to mute myself now. <laughs> Not other people, myself. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, it's 10,000 people have retweeted a picture of some chairs. <laughs> Why? What, what have I missed? Sorry, I'm not... I'm I don't not... Know. That, that is kind of mid-century nice, the telephone seats, basically. It's a nice chair with a bit of a table on it. Oh, yeah, I so remember can, those things. Yeah, yeah, so you can sit and chat on the phone. And that's I, when I you tweeted. were tied. That's when you were tied to the uh, the only input was in the Tethered. hallway. Yeah, yeah. But this is what this is one of the discussions that came out of this with many many people was: wouldn't it be nice to have a chair that you had to use your phone on? <laughs> so rather than just sitting on the sofa scrolling through things, you're like, I'm going to the telephone chair. And have you have you checked on Kickstarter that that isn't actually? Oh, a I thing? should, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah. We've got a special Down poo chair bed. here. That's the toilet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to uh, inquire anymore about that, John. Well, uh, welcome to uh, North v South, episode Hello. 77, the one with Daniel. That's what we're calling it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and uh, we're very, uh, very honoured to have you. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to... Um, You're very welcome. ...or schedule to our American <laughs> listeners. So uh, what's what's on your desk this week that we should jump straight in? Well, my desk was quite clear this morning, but then I've been faffing around with headphones and microphones and things, and now it's just cables. Um, so it's just turned into like a recording studio. Um, other than that, I've got a big pile of books that I've designed that they, they send me. I, I don't know what to do with them. It's like they're, they're probably very nice books, but I and I should keep them, but I don't know where. So they just pile up on my desk. <laughs> we'll we'll get on to um, to the books that you mm. design um, later, but they're, they're not always necessarily sort of bedtime reading. Are they? <laughs> no, no, but some some can be quite dry. Um, <laughs> but uh, between that and um, my other half's book which um, when she was teaching um, she had books that are just called lying or rape things like that um, 
So right. there's lots of very interesting books in the house, yeah. And then, of course, there's a few, like Julie Donaldson books, but Brody books. <laughs> Covering the whole yeah. gamut of yeah. publishing. <clears throat> Other than that, I've got um, a pile of records I don't know what to do with, to go with the books I don't know what to do with. I've got um, a Lego version of uh, Corbusier's Villa Savoy on my desk. Um because I managed to rescue some Lego from my son so that I could build my own thing. Is that of your own creation? Yeah, no, that's, that's a bought okay. one. But I had, to, kids. I had to rescue all of the bricks from him because, <laughs> yeah. He thinks it's all his, but no. And various other things. And a pile of things from um, Umbrella that they sent me weeks yeah, ago. It's, it's just I can't take it off my desk because it's so pretty. So It is lovely stuff. But, yeah, generally a mess on my desk, so. Yeah, I, I'm a messy desk person as well. I've seen John's desk. I can confirm that. Yeah, I'm not a. Uh, what, what's that word for the? Uh, no, I'm not an. I don't have a knolled desk. You're not a knoller. <laughs> no, it's strictly veneered for me. Um, so, uh, Robert, what have you got on your desk? <clears throat> well, I've very little because I've been working in Shoreditch for the last couple of weeks, and I found it kind of almost impossible to go to work, come back, and with the commute and stuff, actually get down to doing any work on an evening. So I haven't done any drawing for about a week and a half, apart from the odd bit of sketching on the lunchtime in a moleskin. So my desk is... In fact, I've only just turned my computer on. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, a bit of a poor showing. So the only thing I've really been doing this week, apart from working in Shoreditch, eating overpriced sandwiches and drinking of price coffee is um the commute allows me to read so i've been reading the uh john scalzi old man's war series which i started a week ago and i'm five books in now <clears throat> so they're quite the page turner are they picture books <laughs> they're not <laughs> they're really weird actually i've i've got slightly narked and the first three books were standard kind of space opera Book four retold the events of book three from a dis- different person's point of view, and it was that of a teenage girl, so it was almost like a, a young adult novel. And then book four, uh, book five, is kind of like um, old-school Asimov or Arthur C. Clarke short stories that are all interlinked. So it's, it's kind of curious in a... It's almost like he's showing off a bit the, the different types of books he can write all under kind of the space opera umbrella. Um, I mean, they're good, and they're, I'm really enjoying them, but you can't help but keep in the back of your head that he's he's just showing off a bit. But that is literally my desk. No work. It's quite clean for a change. Um, of course, there's a beer on it. Has everyone else got a drink? Yes. What are you drinking, Daniel? I've got uh, some Brewdog 5am Saint. And I'm wearing oh, a red that? ale. Oh, Ooh, nice. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it, it came in the multi-pack, so it's the first one I grabbed. I know nothing about nothing. beer. I just like labels. <laughs> That's not a bad way to go yeah. these days. Yeah. It's definitely a, a world of good design out there in beers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am having a glass of red wine. I'm off the beers at the moment. Right, you are. Yeah. I've got a, uh, a longboard from the Kona Brewing Company of Hawaii, oh, that- which is my favourite summery tipple. They're... Pretty cans, aren't they? Or bottle, uh, it's bottles. a bottle, actually, but it's a pretty bottle. Yeah. 
Yeah. Jolly good. Uh, right, what's on your desk then, John? Well, the usual mess. I've got a bottle. Actually, I, I got for my birthday. I don't know if I... I got a soda stream for my birthday. Remember those? <laughs> wow. Yeah, what's... I thought they'd long gone. You know, I thought they'd passed into the uh, the annals of, yeah. uh, of rubbish technology. But um, Are they beautifully designed now? Well, they, they think they are. But um, actually, it's quite... It's, yeah, I really like it, you know. I, I drink quite a lot of fizzy water, so um, it's definitely cheaper. But uh, yeah, it's still yeah. it's still exactly the same. It's not automated or anything. They haven't kickstarted it, you know, so that uh, yeah. hummingbirds press down on it. Uh, it's just you know one of those things that honks at you when it gets too fizzy. Is it not internet connected? Uh, no, I don't think so. Should be, shouldn't it? With the name Soda Stream, really? Yeah. Have you experimented with carbonating things that shouldn't be carbonated? No, they always explode, don't they? Should I try Is fizzy it- wine? I oh, know that's yes. champagne, isn't it? Fizzy wine <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> Gravy. Could you you could use it for, for creating kind of gastronomic foams for your for your dinners? Yeah, for my pies. Um, no, and it's just uh, what else is on there? Uh, a lot of um, a lot of post-it notes. Um, I've been doing a lot of data sort of planning with a uh, with a, with a client, so uh, it's lots of bits of paper that you see uh, and these photos of um, really posh. Design studios. Um, I'm just trying to emulate that to try and feed some talent towards myself <laughs> by just writing things that I don't understand on them and then sticking them on a wall. Uh, I bet it looks good. Yeah, no, no they're actually. I, I just took a photo and then threw them all away. Got a hate post-it notes. I've got a, f- a slight phobia about them. <laughs> they're so flappy. They're flappy and curly, and they never stick. Yeah. Mm. Can't be no, no, I'm not a fan of them. Uh, yeah, so um, that's that's on my desk. Um, yeah, today's just been grunt work, you know, getting through uh, press ads, which I love and adore. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> oh, well, I spent most of my day re- resizing assets for a, a retail animation that had been set up wrong. Yeah. And that was that's as exciting as it sounds. Well, I, media wise, I've been uh, I'm reading A Boy Made of Blocks by Keith Stewart, who, if you're into gaming, is a quite a well-known games uh, journalist, writes for The Guardian and um, uh, is a really interesting chap to follow on Twitter if you don't already. But he wrote a novel. Uh, he wrote a piece on The Guardian a few years ago about his son who's on the spectrum and uh he he sort of it was about how minecraft helped um them form a relationship and uh the book is basically a continuation of that um he was then you know commissioned to to write the novel he'd never written a book before and i think it was a big big hit but anyway last week on kindle it was like 99p or whatever so i downloaded it so yeah i'm enjoying it it's it's kind of um nick hornby light um but yeah. it's a really interesting subject um and uh yeah so uh, I've enjoyed that. Um, I've watched Hellboy for the first time because I've never seen it. What did you think? Well, what am I meant to think, Rob? You're the Hellboy. <laughs> well, I, don't know. I mean, it's, no, it, it's nothing like the books. Yeah. It's very much uh, Del Toro's version of Hellboy. I, I, I do like the main actor. What's his name? Ron Perlman, is it? Ron Perlman. Yeah, I yeah. thought he was good. Um, but I haven't read enough Hellboy to know whether that's good or not. I've only read one. <laughs> So what do I know? Is it meant to is it meant to be not a good is not like it's not like Stallone's dread. No. No. I I think it's pretty well loved. Um but Mike Mignola isn't particularly um 
fond of it and wasn't particularly fond of the process, even though he had lots to do with it in terms of design and concept art and creature design and stuff like that. Uh, whereas the new film that's coming out, um, directed by Neil Marshall, I think, he's got much less to do with the look of it. Um, he's been consulting on kind of the initial story, but I think he feels like this is going to be much more of his version of Hellboy. Right, okay. Uh, Daniel, are you a fan of comics at all? Yes. Yeah, and I um, love Hellboy, the comics. The films are kind of, the further away they get, the less I like them, I think. Also because they're, uh, the more Del Toro films come out, realise they all kind of look the same. Mm-hmm. He doesn't kind of adapt people's work into like something new. It's like you watch uh, Blade 2, Hellboy, in the shape of water, and they all kind of look like they take place in the same city kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't think he did the, the comics justice at all. So really looking forward to the new one. Um that kind of it keeps kind of there'll be some exciting announcement about it and then it just all goes quiet and you kind of I don't know I don't know it's going to be one of those kind of weird medium budget films that might just get buried or thrown onto Netflix. I'm 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 pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a few little bits of concept art and stuff from it. Um, I don't... A few pictures that he's posted on uh, Instagram. The director. Um. It just looks suitably dark. I think it's you know it's R-rated for a start, so it's going to be much more grimy and bloody, I think. Yeah. Than, uh... But it's not like uh, going back to Judge Dredd with the the latest um, version of it, where they couldn't quite have the budget to build a Mega City One because you know the drawings are just so vast. Does does Hellboy yeah. really have that kind of scale of atmosphere that you know something like Blade Runner? uses you know it it doesn't seem to me it's much more like a standard superhero sort of comic book i think i I think it depends on i know this story is about the blood queen and i can't quite remember the the plot of that one um but a lot of it is much more intimate you know it's spooky castles and uh kind of folklore filled countryside and you know rambling mansions and things like that so i think it's it's much more doable than Mega City One was. Hopefully. <laughs> well, um, the other the other thing I watched this week is I haven't watched for a lo- quite a long time um, was Star Wars. Uh, I sat with Kitty and watched it on Sunday. I was oh, yeah, I was a little bit hungover. <sighs> Sorry. What a treat! Yeah, well, I could only get hold of the uh, of a digital version, and um, they've it's all of them now have got these extra bits in them, which oh just... oh I see. So you you mentioned Jabba the Hutt, yeah. <clears throat> so Jab- that's the bit where he's he's superimposed in. Oh yeah, we talked oh, about that. Before. It's, it's horrendous. It's horrific. Yeah. Um, and all the bits are really the new bits are really really jarring. Even though they're probably uh, they need, they must be fifteen twenty years old, aren't they? they yeah, they must be that old. Um, but I did enjoy it, and she she really enjoyed it. I thought it was very. She laughed a lot. She liked Chewbacca. I mean, she's only you know she's four next month, um, so she didn't really get it. But she does prefer Space Buddies. We have had that review. Um, and if you do <laughs> get dogs. to watch, yeah, it's um it's it's probably the third best in the series of buddy films. <laughs> <laughs> 
there'll be some big debate about what order you're meant to watch the buddy films in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as they as they all die off, you know, the <laughs> <pretty> obvious. But <laughs> uh, see, my boy, he hasn't seen any Star Wars films, but he knows it. He's got this weird. The kids now have this weird entry into Star Wars in that the film will be the last thing they see after having the Lego and playing the Angry Birds and getting the stickers and everything. So they already know all of the characters. Yeah. And then some one day they'll see the film and they'll be like, oh, right, it's from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. Yeah, Sorry, he loves Kylo Ren, but he has no idea who Kylo Ren is apart from this mask that we bought him. <laughs> but, uh, he's just so he's, the Star Wars that he's created in his head from these like scraps, <clears throat> like from other mediums, are probably much better than any of the films. Oh yeah, yeah. well that's not difficult, is it? Really, I mean, <laughs> I you know I don't want to you know cause a, a huge internet ruction there, but uh, yeah, it's um, the depth. We always talk about the the depth is uh, is fingernail deep, isn't it, in the Star yeah. Wars universe? But I did. I really did enjoy it. I had a good old nostalgia trip, and we're going to watch Empire Strikes Back next week. <laughs> Marvelous. Yeah. Actually, there's a there's a desk, there's a um, a tabletop game uh, out of Star Wars, which is called Legion, that looks really nice. Which is a twenty eight mil um, skirmish game. Looks very good. Is that kind of a space based one? No, it's not. It's um, land based. So you've got little mini attacks and all sorts. Um, freelancers unite. Uh, we're all freelancers. Um, at, that was one thing I was going to ask you later on, but I'm going to ask it now. Is Do you describe yourself as a freelancer or are you self-employed? Yeah. Um, both, really. Yeah. So, yeah. A freelancer. I mean, I'm not one who will go in and work um, at an agency for a few weeks or whatever. I, I am just home-based. So... Yeah, I don't really differentiate between the two. No, I don't. I, no, I, I, I always did. I always fought against it because I always employed freelancers like Rob, and and so th- there's that differentiation between, you know, paid paid for hire sort of um, samurais, uh, and uh, and people who work at home who are sort of self employed. But um, mm. were, guess... were you surprised that day I turned up with my katana? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you called it. Well, at least <laughs> it was fresh. Um, no, but there's a there's a website called uh, I think it's sponsored by some some app uh, One Tap Receipts it's called but it's What is my day rate and this is the thing that always gets freelancers going doesn't it um, the uh, yeah. the annual is it Design Week that always brings out the annual what people are being paid um, uh, that is so skewed towards London prices it's ridiculous mm. but this one they've ta- they've they've hidden away all of the little calculations that you might make as to working out your day rate. Um, so you can put in your desired gross annual salary, and uh, and find out what your day rate should be. Um, Actually, I think that's if you're a freelancer just starting out. I think that's super helpful. It's yeah, it is because it calculates because holidays. You haven't and got stuff. a clue when you first start. You don't know what an hourly rate you should be charging. You've got no idea what what the day rates people are charging. See, I've, not, I've never had either. Never had an hourly you rate. Just, never had a day rate. So you just charge by the job. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is that set by is that by, set by your sort of a, a sort of appreciation of the client and the budget they might have, or is it just yeah, they, finger in the air stirring? They so generally with the, the publishers anyway. They come to me with a budget for each book. Oh, okay. Um, 
And I basically just had this kind of vague sense in my head, well, that's, that's not going to be worth my time doing for that budget, so I'll turn that one down. And they understand that, and they just give it to someone, um, someone else. Worse. But, uh, yeah. Um, but, well, that's, so it's almost like you're, it's more like an illustrator then, the way that you work, rather than quoting for jobs. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't sort of quote or pitch or, um, yeah, certainly don't have an hourly rate because I think that that always works against freelancers anyway. Because if you're good, you you're can quick. do things quicker. It, it, yeah, it seems counterintuitive to me. Yeah, um, I mean, I understand it from the, the, the client people hiring you. Yeah, 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 but you know, even if you explain it to them, they'll realise that it makes no sense. Yeah, I I, th- I think I, I totally agree with you, and, I, and I've moved away from that uh, because you just fill up your days, don't you, with throssy work like mm. I do. the The thing that is good about this is that it gives you, um, it sort of says to you, you can show something to a client that says, "This is how much I'm worth," you know, taking into account the fact that I have to have holidays and uh, you know, <laughs> I need to have time off and, and yeah. you need to start appreciating exactly what that day rate should be rather than thinking, well, you're just sitting at home in your pants and you're drawing <laughs> silly pictures. Um, Hang on. Have I got a little sorry, web- webcam? On sorry, there? Rob. <laughs> <laughs> we can see your katana. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Close your legs, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what have you got? I there's a an exhibition that I desperately want to see. It's on at Tate Britain, which uh, is a gallery I love, and it's called uh, All Too Human: uh, Bacon, Freud, and a Century of Painting Life. And it just looks jam packed full of incredible paintings of people in that kind of you know Lucian Freud, Francis Bacon. Uh, the kind of fleshiness of how uh, figure painting can be. Uh, and it just looks incredible. So I think that's well worth going to see. It's on until the 27th of August at Tate Britain. It's 20 quid. Oh, dear. Which is uh, it's quite pricey. But uh, I don't think I'll be able to resist going. You want to get that on a quiet it, day because they do crush them in at Tate Britain, don't they? Yeah, I think it's good if you can go kind of on a weekday outside of school holidays, get there just as it opens and have uh, pretty much have a place to yourself. Daniel, have you got some news for us? Well, I've got it's record store day this weekend, uh, which is something... Can I download I'm, that? It's normally something that I... I'm one of the people who moans about it every year because I, I don't always see the value in basically having a special day where there's stuff people can come in and buy and then stick on eBay straight away. I don't see how mm. that's kind of encouraging any trade, any sort of people to come into record shops apart from that one day. Um, but I've been slowly convinced because I've seen this year's lineup of records and it's, there's, there's a lot to tempt you. So. So if you don't know what record store day is, like me, can you, can you briefly oh, describe right. what the purpose of it is? How it works? It's basically every year, um, the record stores around the country. I think it's just the UK. Um, for one day, they have special releases from lots of different bands and lots of re-releases and um, kind of special editions that are only available on that day. 
or only released on that day anyway. Um, so it just kind of encourages like a mad rush to these independent record stores. Um, oh, okay. To pick up. So they'll have like, they'll re-release, um, I think some like Bowie demos and um, they've got some old Doctor Who episodes like on vinyl, which is, which is quite cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's, it used to be like there'd be like sort of a dozen records or something, and it would it would just all end up on eBay. But now you look at the lineup, and there's just hundreds, I think. Yeah. Um, but it just means that eight o'clock on Saturday morning, every little record store in the country will just have a queue of. I'm just imagining middle-aged men just lining up, waiting to get in there and get their obscure can b-sides album or something so i'm looking forward to it i'm also dreading it uh so you are you going to be queuing up when uh, the shop opens yeah w- which shop are you gonna do you want actually do you want to keep it quiet which one you're going to <laughs> i'll be going to crowds. vinyl eddies um which is on the other side of york race course for me okay um and i will be trying to get um a bobby gentry album bobby james Lovely. is that right yeah um, yeah yeah um so yeah yeah it's, it's one of those things that you do kind of see by midday on saturday ebay is just full of all of those releases at like <laughs> five times the price and it's like what is Bit of a shame isn't it yeah what is the purpose of this day is it to encourage people to go to independent record shops or to encourage people to use ebay yes yeah it's unclear, but but that said, record shops are doing pretty well around here anyway. We've got quite a few in York now. We didn't used to have any. We used to have like HMV and Virgin, Virgin or Xavi, whatever went. Um, and there's now lots of little places sell records. It's pretty cool. So maybe it works. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think when I was growing up in York, it, it literally was WH Smiths and HMV uh, and Woolworths. Mm. I don't, think, I don't remember any independent record stores. There are some great ones that used to be around St. John's when I was a student there. Um, okay. Yeah, Cassidy's was a good one. Oh, um, uh, okay. I remember Cassidy's. Yeah. But, well reminded. But yeah, it's, it's just it's nice going into these little record shops. It's just, I don't really want to go when it's going to be ram-packed with people just trying to get these rare releases. So I just want to browse. I've been sucked into it this well, year. Well, good luck, Daniel. Yeah. Go with God. <laughs> uh, and that's the 21st. That's Saturday the 21st. Uh, yes. Okay. So by the time this is this podcast is out, you'll have, you'll have either succeeded or failed in yes. your Bobby Gentry. Yeah. Uh, Unless they've also mission. got a re-release of um, Shaggy's O Carolina. I have my eye on. <laughs> um, and some Chakadee and some pliers. It's quite random, the stuff they have. Get, get one of those for me. Please. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think closing this weekend. Sorry, you're just talking about the exhibition at the Tate, um, mm. the Gursky exhibition at Haymarket. Uh, so tell me about Gursky. He's a photographer, but he's his photos don't really have one subject. He'll take a photo of um, stock exchange floor. So there's be hundreds of people, and the photo it's it's almost kind of this abstract pattern. It's like a Where's Wally picture almost. And he prints oh, okay. them huge. And there's some kind of 
um, some people have a problem because it's unclear how much is done in Photoshop afterwards. He's quite vague no. about the, the digital manipulation that goes on. Um, but the photos are amazing just because they're so big. And you just walk around and just see these huge... It'll just be a photo of just like a motorway bridge in a forest or something, but it's sort of as big as your house. So just because of the scale of it, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and are they, are they are they real photographs or are they like digital massive? They're, they're real photographs, um, yeah. but yeah, it's kind of unclear how much they've been. They're very because they're, they're very abstract and very kind of geometric. So he lines things up just so. Right. And. Um, there's there's one photograph that's taken on like the bank of a of the, sort of the Danube, I think it was, and it's this beautiful shot of just kind of this desolate landscape. And then you read the notes, tiny little notes like underneath it. And it's like, oh yeah, here we are, raised a factory and a power station from the back of this shot. It's like if it had been an honest picture, it would have been better. Or I don't, I don't know. This is the thing you're looking at it and go, well, it looks great, until you read the notes next to it. So go see the pictures. Don't do any reading. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? You know, we we accept uh, kind of post production in pretty much every other form of art. Mm. You know, the film or music, um, but we we're kind of snobbish about it with uh, photography, aren't we? We 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 have spoken before about notes on art and how distracting it, it can be, but uh, mm. but when the art actually might be the note <laughs> rather than <laughs> the uh, the piece that you're looking at. Um, that informs you about what that artist is trying to say, then it, it blurs the line even further, doesn't it? Because I'm, I'm guessing mm. that, you know, part of his whole art is the manipulation and that doubt over whether it's real or not. Like, you know, how do you get a developer that big? <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it down to boots, I think. <laughs> Imagine the size of the stickers they have to put on the, the fuzzy ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marvellous. That we've had a loss. Uh, there's been a, a big lever from um, social um, media this week. Uh, Weatherspoons um, has has decided. Uh, Tim Martin's owner has closed all of their social media uh, accounts, uh, possibly because of the massive negative reviews that they had on every single bit of social media. But as he says, it's his argument is he doesn't see any business value in social media. You know, there's been lots of liberal publications saying that he's, you know, it's just a big excuse. And uh, the Guardian's made a big thing about, you know, who said this? Was it Tim Martin or Al Murray? It continues that conversation, doesn't it, about the value of social media um, for big businesses and whether it is truthful, whether it is not truthful. You know, they spend so much time trying to control that, that it ends up, the, the, the bigger companies just ends up being a big lie, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, I mean, you'd think if a, a, a big modern brand could do without social media, it would be something like Weatherspoons. I mean, it's you wouldn't think it's exactly their um, demographic. No. If you could get a cup of tea and Weatherspoons, I wouldn't say it's their cup of tea, but I don't know if yeah. you can, can you? I'm sure probably. you can probably get, you can get cup, everything else. probably get a cup of tea and a curry for four quid on a <laughs> 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Menu? I, I went into it. I was uh, NCT things. Uh, yes. I had to go to one of those, and it was at the local Weatherspoons in in Alton. The, the menu was about five pages long. It was a, every single cuisine from the world was being slid from a frozen pack into a deep fat fryer, <laughs> <laughs> ready for your delight. Uh, but you know, you you could have anything. You anything. should run their social media. That was poetry. Thanks. 
<laughs> Curious that he he announced it so publicly. You thought if he if he wasn't bothered about social media, he could have just kind of let it die a death and not bother with it. Mm. But, yeah, very strange. It's weird that it's uh, kind of headline news that a company isn't going to be on social media. Yeah, it's think- totally Brexit aligned, though, isn't it? Well, because that's it. I think everyone was trying to find a kind of a cons- Brexit flavoured conspiracy behind it, weren't they? <laughs> is that the menu? Is there or not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, delicious. Uh, one other quick bit of news from me is my continuing obsession with Martin Sorrell. Uh, you are fine. a bit obsessed with him, aren't you? Yeah, I am a bit. Um, What's he's, ever done to you? He's. He's uh, he's finally stepped down from as the boss of WPP uh, after it was suggested he might have been uh, misusing company funds, which, uh, as he's earned over two hundred million pounds in the last five years, makes you wonder what he's doing with all his money if he's having to misuse company funds. But he's out on his ear, um, so they're going to have to find a new chief exec, and all the companies that are owned by WPP are now going to be wondering, you know, what's going to happen to them, I guess, whether or not they're going to stay or whether or not they're going to be spun off or whether there's going to be even more um, mergers. So who do um, they own then? Everyone. <laughs> uh, Design Bridge, Landor, Fitch, Coley Portobello, uh, Lambinane, Brand Union, the partners, pretty much all the big guys. Mm. Um. Yeah, and, mo- and many of those companies are formed from mergers themselves. So, you know, there's more than four hundred companies make up WPP. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens to the design industry landscape in his absence. He did kind of run it as a a bit of a dictatorship, I think. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he, he's not interested. He's never been interested in design or or, or communication, as he's he, he's a numbers man, and he bought mm. it as a. That's what it stands for, doesn't it? Wire products. Wire product, other. something or other. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it was literally you know one of those off the shelf companies that you buy to yeah. get a cheap business going. <laughs> yeah, um, And uh, and 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 run it like that. But I can't find the quote that he made. But he said something really really weird at the end of it. It was a quote from a film or something. Have you? Seen what it is? It's like uh, it wasn't live long and prosper, but it was something equally as weird as that. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have a hunt. You have a hunt. Have you got any more news for us, uh, Mr. Benworth Gray? The Birmingham Design Festival lineup. I was having a look at next month. No, June, I believe it is. And I think it's the first first year they're doing it. Seventh to the tenth of June. That's it. First year they're doing it, and it's just kind of spread over few days at different venues and it just all looks all looks rather good um and it's all lots of individual events a lot of them are free mm-hmm. so you're not paying like 500 quid to sit in a room and wait for your speaker to come up kind of things oh. yeah, things are like that. but uh no it's pretty good so they've got we're just having a look at the list they've got, they've got anthony burrell of course Love Anthony Ball. Yeah. Um, they got a screening of Solo with the production designers, which would be quite exciting. Absolutely, um, yeah. 
at the electric cinema, which I love, um, yeah. which is this really, really old cinema kind of behind Birmingham station. And it was like one of the first ones that had sofas and waiter service. Okay. Now they're all doing it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't yeah. think I've ever been to Birmingham. Uh, I see Aaron Draplin is there as well, who always gives good speech of the Draplin Design Company. See, he's someone, you've mentioned him before many times. Yeah. He's someone who's passed me by completely. Draplin is just... Well, it's just super American. So his, mm. his work doesn't really register anywhere else, I think. Um, but he's the, the creative force behind Field Notes brand. Oh, right. Uh, so he set that up and, and kind of came up with all the ideas and he's still the creative director. And uh, is it Jim... Cowdle? Coodle. Yeah. Coodle. So I know Jim he's, he's kind of the he's the guy that kind of produces everything and runs it. But weirdly enough, Phil's notes isn't in his style, is it? His typical style is a really heavy border yeah. outline in a kind of a nineteen fifties American retro. Yeah, you know, Field Notes is much more restrained mm. than his typical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, design uh, Birmingham Design Festival looks really good. It's yeah. nice yeah. I know we're we're probably guilty of only really talking about things that we like to go to or are kind of able to go to being based kind of in the you know the south of england so it's uh it's good to mention something from elsewhere uh i think we should probably talk about daniel now yeah i've got sorrel's quote though i'll just I'll go on now. Uh, his last thing was um uh, as a founder i can say that wpp is not just a matter of life or death it was is and will be more important than that God fortune and God speed to all of you. Now back to the future. <laughs> it's like a combination of sort of Alf Ramsey and Spock. It's like a it's like a dad trying to be really cool with his yeah. teenage, you know, kids. I don't know. He's like, I've, hey everyone, I've bought Dungeons and Dragons. Let's play. It's, it's How it's, weird. It's like an artificial yeah. intelligence that you've put lots of films into. Yeah, and you kind of asked it to come up with <laughs> yeah. some dialogue, and that's what comes out of it. Yeah, yeah it's like an Ash. Is it Ash? Um, Asbury and Asbury, yeah. Yeah, they did uh, that that bot that was just like a spouting absolute nonsense for ages. I think it's probably still going on, but yeah, maybe they've just replaced uh, Sorrel with that with that bot. I think so it'd be as much use to the world, wouldn't it? It's not. It's more than a matter of life or death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bless him. <laughs> yeah. Volume eleven. Right, so, on to the main thing. Yes. Hello. Uh, <coughs> hello, Daniel Benoist Gray, uh, book designer and Twitter... Noise. Noise. Noise, yes, noise. Yeah. Twitterati. Uh, so if anyone doesn't know Daniel, I can't believe anyone doesn't know Daniel, but you are Gray on Twitter yes. and Instagram. That's where we can find your musings. Grey with an A, yes. yes. Uh, that's where we can find your musings, and uh, you obviously tweet a lot of the stuff that you design and the columns that you write. When did you realise that you wanted to be a designer? When did I decide? Well, I kind of fell into it by mistake because I didn't study it, didn't study design or anything. Um, I was always interested in designy, creative things, but... I was always going to be, I was always planning to work in film and TV. That was the dream. And then whilst I was temping somewhere, um, the I was, I was temping for some sort of government quango, 
the guy who put all the publications and publicity material together just didn't turn up one day. And there was this, this mass panic. And I went, does anyone know how to use Photoshop? I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then from that day on, I was their publications guy. And I kind of just, I was given quite a lot of freedom to just kind of teach myself how to use, well, back then, Quark Express, um, Photoshop, and just kind of get to know printers and the industry and that. And it was, um, so I kind of fell into it. And then it kind of reached a point where I'm like, oh, hang on, I'm a designer. When did that happen? Um, That's kind of pretty much into the deep end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, which was, it was kind of, yeah, it's not how I would have chosen to do it. But also going freelance as well. It's like from that job, I was then made redundant. Um, just cutbacks and things. Um, again, I wouldn't have chosen to suddenly go um, freelance because it terrified me. But I thought, well, I don't have any other choice. Let's give it a go. And it's worked out. So, so yeah. How, how long have you been freelance? Uh, what it, six years. Six years now. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm still planning on getting back and being sort of the great film director at some point. Just uh, Naturally. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still temping, that's what it is. So is that what you – did you do a degree? Did you uh, get – did you go to further education and do film? I did, or yeah, I did uh, film, television and theatre at York St. John's, um, right. which is why I'm in York. I kind of hung around afterwards. Um, yeah, because I was going to say, you're not, you're not, you don't have a Yorkshire accent. No, I'm from Gravesend originally ah. yeah um but once you've left gravesend no, po- po- pocahontas i was born opposite pocahontas mm. and just oh, there's a claim and to just up the road from where heart of darkness begins wow. yeah that's my uh that's, that's my amazing. breeding right there. um but yeah once <laughs> you've once you've left gravesend especially if you've gone to york there's not much pulling you back you know so um, yeah yeah so I hung around in york and um yeah, and just accidentally became a designer. Sense. Yeah, but when you were a kid, um, and you said, "Did you were you aware of?" Uh, Rob and I have talked about this in the past. Of like, were you aware of design as a thing, or were you just interested in drawing and making things, and not really aware of what that was as a concept? Yeah, no, no you're right. I wasn't aware. Did, design was a, um, a subject at school, but that basically meant. Making, ma- yeah, making stuff out of wood and <laughs> rivets. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> was always a rivet gun. Why a rivet gun? Rivets. I've never used a rivet gun ever. And drawing what they called nets of um, packaging, uh, yeah. and it's like, yep. yeah, look, that's design. It's like, no, it's not. I've just unfolded a cereal box. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was. It. There was nothing in that stage of my education um, where I felt any pull from design at all. But there was always some kind of creative thing. My first ever um, idol was the cartoonist Lou Stringer, who um, he used to do like the funny little comic strip at the back of Transformers comic. And it was right. just like a little three or four panel thing. Uh, Robo Capers, it was called. And it was like mostly just taking the Mickey out of Transformers because it was a pretty stupid comic anyway. Um, but to me, that was just the most amazing thing. He got to draw robots and tell jokes and get in a comic. And so I, I wanted to be him. Um, so I think that that turned me into a doodler, definitely. 
I've always been interested in channeling creativity one way or the other, but it never occurred to me that I'd be a designer and, and the book design side of it, that kind of came about by chance as well. So so if you, you fell into design, you, mm. you became a publications designer, was that the only job you had pre-going freelance? Yeah, I mean, of any use. Yeah, of, of, um, you know, design I, type thing. I, I spent a year working at Westminster City Council um, filing rubbish, <laughs> which was fun. Um, this my, that's my year in London. There's the commercial waste investigators who go out there and root through the bins to make sure that people aren't dumping rubbish without paying for it. And when they get evidence out of those bin bags, they bring it back to me. And I had to nice. I had to put it into the system and put it into a little plastic bag and file it. Yeah. So you're getting onto your Twitter feed then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's good training. Yeah, um, dealing with the effluent of humanity. Oh, yeah, and, you and, and filing it nicely. You're typing your tweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've done some great filing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, and how well, books? How did you get into book design? Because it's really niche. Like you know, yeah, it is a really niche bit of design. Uh, when I went freelance, I was just desperate for whatever work I could get. So I was just, I just pitched myself as just designer and I was going to do branding, websites, magazines, books, whatever you want, I will do it kind of thing. Um, and then it, just a few book cover jobs came along all at the same time. And um, it was around the same time we were expecting my son and we were just in and out of hospital all the time and these jobs would come along and they would just sprawl and spread out and I had no idea how to charge for them. And, and then the book covers came along and it was kind of, it's going to be this much money, we want three ideas and then we'll narrow it down to one idea and then you work it up as a cover and that's done. It was It was all just kind of... Each job was nicely contained. There was no opportunity for it to sprawl into a bigger mess. Um, and I just, I just liked the the tidiness of that. So I just kept pushing more publishers to um, sort of go down that route. And yeah, and then it, it seemed to work. So I now just do book covers. So it was, a- it was about my own organisational skills as much as me liking book covers. Do you find that? that you are now known to publishers and, and, and you're working directly for creative directors of publishers or, or do you still have to go out there and fish for work? I still have to fish. Um, but when I do go fishing, um, a lot of the time they, they know my name at least. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of that is from my creative review column, I think. Anyway. Um mm. Yeah, so tell us about how did you get that gig? Because that is a serious, uh, seriously amazing writing gig, isn't it? it? Yeah, I still don't. I'm still waiting for them to figure out that I'm not John Gray or someone that they've, they've just like contacted <laughs> the wrong person. Um, I uh, pre Twitter, I had I used to blog quite a lot, and as I kind of was figuring out that I might be a designer, I was blogging about design stuff so I think I had kind of a it was it was a good 
good training for myself just to be writing about stuff. And then through that, I just did some free writing for Gym Class magazine and uh, Designer's Review of Books. And Designer's Review of Books, I only did a few things for them, but I discovered that when you review books, you get free books, which is amazing. And then about five years ago, uh, Fiden released Concrete, just a big book about concrete. Every week there's a new book about concrete now, but back then it was like the book about concrete. I thought, I'll have that. Um, And so just on the off chance, I contacted Creative Review and said, do you want me to write a review of this? And they said, no. Um, (laughs) But by contacting them, I think that just put my writing under their nose. And they said, would you like to write a column about sort of life of a freelancer? I was like, yeah, okay. I was expecting it to last like three months or something. And I'm still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it wasn't like me doing any kind of real hard work or kind of really pitching anything to them. Doing lots of random little bits here and there all kind of coalesced into I'd somehow made this opportunity for myself. Mm. Um, Well, that's it, isn't it? You've you've absolutely kind of carved out a a name for yourself through all those little things that you've done previously. And that's what led to that, like you say, led to that opportunity. I think I think part of its appeal um, in in what can be quite a pretentious tome at times is the fact that it is just so real and um, it's not didactic in any way. It's just a little s- snapshot of your life in that particular month or moment. And uh, and I think that's why that's definitely your column drew me back to who are misses drew me back to uh, creative <laughs> review. Uh, um and that's why I started reading it again because I love that I love that sort of that uh, tidal change in their editorial approach from the sort of the highfalutin, as I always say, mm. to the to the much more of a of a day to day working uh, designer, which is you know what Rob and I try to talk about. Uh, you know, we try to talk about the day to day stuff rather than you know I've got a uh, an exhibition and a book and you know whatever coming out. Um, so yeah, so I've re- I've really really enjoyed those yeah. those. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, that's that, I mean that's kind of the intention of it because yeah, I mean especially when I I started it, it was kind of everything else in the magazine was here's the very pinnacle of design advertising writing, and it's and I was like most of the people reading this are probably like me, sat behind a Mac trying to figure out where they're going to get the next job from. So yeah, I think uh, it was. I think it was a bit of a. A risk on their part to have something that was different. I think it's worked, um, and yeah, some people seem to like it. So, yeah, has it got you work? Have it, has it got you a wider audience? Yes, I think so. The fact that I have like a whole page in Creative Review every couple of months, it, it can't hurt. Plus, I managed to get myself a really memorable Twitter handle, so that helped as well. I think so. People can just <laughs> go, "All right, him." Did you have to fight for that one, or did you always have that? That one, um, the Twitter, that your handle, the Twitter one. Um, it was it had just been snapped up by someone else, and they weren't using it. So yeah. I just filled in whatever forms you had to do to say mm. to sort of claim it, and I had to do it several times because normally it just goes ignored. And then one day, it just suddenly my Twitter handle changed. That's <laughs> cool. good. Um, I tried. I, I tried to say, well, I did, I managed to get the same username on Instagram, which is no end of pain 
everyone wants my username on Instagram. And I just get messages all the time demanding that I give it to them. Or I will give you 10 shout outs for your username. It's like, I don't even know what you're saying. Um, but I never get that on Twitter. Nobody asks me if I will sell my username to them. It's weird. It is strange, isn't it? But the people that ask you on Instagram, they're typically young kids, aren't they? Yeah. And also they don't understand that if if your name is Grey, you end up being tagged in every <laughs> black and white <laughs> photo that people seem to think you have to tag the shades in the photo. So many... See, my notification on Instagram makes it completely unusable because it's like, oh, here's another Grey rabbit. Brilliant. Um, but that said i'm not going to give up my name i've got it now so i'm going to sit there not use it you do not let anyone else have it yeah can we uh talk about uh the kind of other design loves in your life so we talked about your uh well we've mentioned nolling yes love nolling uh are you a particular collector of kind of design goodness uh yeah i why and is that something that's that's kind of come after your design career started or were you always a collector of uh, stuff no i think it's it's kind of been parallel with me with with the career me kind of going back and um trying to explore and sort of teach myself all, all the design history that I'd, I'd, i had no knowledge of before yeah so um like i have quite a few um penrose annuals which are just these amazing big sort of uh, yearbooks of just all of the best advertising and design and printing from that year, from like the 60s and 50s. Um, They are, they're they're stunning. And some of these from the 60s, every few pages, it's a different stock and there'll be an insert and there's a poster in there. And if you were to like produce one of these things today, they'd be charging you 300 quid for it, you know, so... If you can pick one of those up on eBay for a tenner, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, absolutely. But other than that, I, ha- I have stuff. I just don't have room for anything. So I have lots of like nice little magazines and sort of uh, newsprint things and postcards and things that I've kind of gathered over the years, and they're just all sat in a drawer somewhere. Um, yeah, I think if you're a designer and you you don't have drawers and shelves full of stuff that you can't display or hang on the wall then you i don't think you're a real designer <laughs> i have a i have a tom gould gigantic robot looking over oh. me right now that's on my wall nice um, i have lots of tom gould stuff um yeah. uh, back when him and um simone Lear they had a joint website cabin and press and they used yes, to it was great yeah and he used to just like release these like little comics in tiny little envelopes um and he was just one of those, I think probably the first artist um, where everything he he produced, I had to I had to get it. Um, so I kind of became a bit of a collector of his stuff. Um, but I, I just, other than that, it's still just kind of, I have lots of nice stuff piled up in a mess. One day I'll have a nice big studio, I'll spread it all out and everything, but um, no. How do you uh, how do you keep uh, Brody away from uh, your kind of expensive design <laughs> ephemera? Barbed wire. Um, it, 
I think does he know there are things he's not allowed to touch? Yeah, I think he's figured out that you know my desk, my computer, anything that's on there, stay away from it. Um, but and I've got I've got like an Eames housebird, you know, kind of the big black okay, yeah. shape. But the but the feet are basically two nails that are kind of child's eyes distance apart. So that's been living in a box for the last few years. Yeah. It's next yeah. to my desk, so it's still there. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, my, my daughter managed to come and pour a, a glass of water into my brand-new wireless keyboard tonight. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm just waiting for that to stop working so I can spend another 150 quid on a piece of crap. What you want to do oh, is carbonate it. <laughs> that were... what like Han Solo <laughs> yeah <laughs> he went into a giant soda stream yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd really like I'd really like a um, a Lego carbonised Han Solo I've got one has anyone got one yeah oh you've got one of course uh, yeah well it's just kind of a brick with him printed on it I've yeah. got like um, an old slave one, but um, yeah, you think yeah. you can get all sorts of things of like hand so you can get a fridge that is hit like just a big relief of hand solo on it, um, and a table and all sorts. Are these um, so how do you manage all of the stuff that you post on uh, social media, and how does that affect your day, like working day? Do you get in trouble or <laughs> at home for it? Um, is there because uh, my 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 daughter moans at my wife about scrolling, and now we're not allowed to mention the scrolling word. Um, <laughs> Jessica's so upset about the fact that she's moaned at by a three year old. Um, so now how do you, how do you manage it? Because it's such an amazing wealth and, and breadth of, uh, of ephemera that you are talking about all the time. It's just, um, I don't know. I think working at home on your own in a little sort of dark corner of the room, it can be quite lonely. I cannot stand working in open plan offices and I'm glad I don't work with other people. But sometimes the conversation hey, were, would be nice. There were free donuts. There were free donuts in Shoreditch yesterday, so don't knock on. I'll be right down. Um, but I still like to have that kind of conversation going on, and also it's kind of I've I don't know. It's just, I'm always doing kind of image research or getting distracted down some little route on Google or Pinterest and finding these amazing things. And I'm like, well, why not share it? You know. Well, I'm selfless. glad you do because it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and what's the future? What's what's the uh, what's the next step for um, DBG Enterprises? Uh, are you going to carry on with book design, or is there other stuff you want to get into? Writing book, maybe. Um, I have considered sort of writing more longer form stuff. Um, I still got like kind of five years worth of creative review things behind me. It's like I, can't, I haven't figured out how many thousands of words that is. But if I'd put that same effort into writing something longer, I don't feel like I'm particularly, I have any particular wisdom to share with anyone. I just have lots of sort of loose observations, which in tweets and in my column, they kind of fit, but I don't feel like I don't have anything to, that anyone want to sit down and spend more than five minutes with. Um, in terms of design, I mean, I uh, there, there are things sort of parallel to book covers 
So film posters, record sleeves, I'd definitely like to get into that. Any kind of square or rectangle with words and pictures on. I think that, that yeah, that's uh, what I call my job is uh, is is rectangles, rectangles with words in. Yeah, there there, there are certain <laughs> there are certain things that books, record sleeves, and posters, and you see they're all they, there should be a word for them because it's not all design is rectangles, the words and pictures, no. in, but these particular things are, and they're usually representing a bigger piece of art. Or, or a bigger yeah. thing. So a film poster isn't a piece of design in it itself. It's it's marketing, no matter what they'll you yeah. know, they'll try and sell you. In a book is just packaging <laughs> essentially, but it's more than packaging as well. So I I feel like there's kind of these different areas of design have so much in common. We need a word for them, but I don't I don't know what that would be. Throw it to the web community. Yeah, yeah I'm sure something. Twitter can help with that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so we're going to let's do some quick fire yes or no questions, <laughs> and then we'll go to our pies because I think we might have to skip uh, website of the week this week. So, uh, Judge Dread or Deckard? Dread. Uh, Superman or Hellboy? Hellboy. Juliet Bravo or Spiral? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen either. Naked book spines or clothed? I do like. I just want to get you angry. I, no, I do like but, a naked spine. Right, mm. but not get, a reversed. Spine no, that's in a because bookshelf. that. <laughs> <you know. laughs> do you get Peter Barford designing a spine? Um, no, it's just kind of all part of the package. The all the work goes into the front cover, and then they're like, "Right, this has to go to the printers tomorrow. Can you do the spine on the back cover?" And you're like, "Oh, crap. Okay, uh, yeah." yeah. Um, uh, and yeah. we'd like oh, a and QR code quote, on this one as well. We've got this quote going on the front cover as well. And you're like, well, where's that going to go? Look at the design. It's balanced. Come on. <laughs> it's good to know that, that book design in the, in that sense is no different to any other type of design. Mm. There yeah, there's a client at the end of it. After, yes. after cover is approved, <laughs> there will be months of silence. And then suddenly it's the day before printing. That's, that's generally how it works. And the author's yeah. just seen it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Daniel, for uh, for putting yourself through that. You're welcome. Um, I really, really appreciate you spending time with us tonight. It's very nice um, to get a little insight into the world yeah, of Bray. Fa- absolutely fascinating. So, where can we find you? Everywhere. <laughs> but you're 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 at Gray on Twitter. Yes. Um, and have you got a website? I have. What's your website? DanielGray.com. Okay. And uh, and if you are not signed up to Daniel's amazing newsletter, which is called Meanwhile, then you should be. And uh, where can you sign up for that? Um, that's danielgray.com slash meanwhile. Brilliant. Well, should we get straight to pies? Let's. Rob, have you got yours? I have. Oh. I have got a, uh, a Marks & Spencer's gastropub pie. I get you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like that. Uh, and it is steak and old peculiar ale. Uh very, very crispy. It's also, my wife's just apologised for it being crispy. Uh, smells good. Uh, but it's very, very hot. If anyone's got a cooler pie, maybe you should step in. I have, I have a cool can... pie. Let's just quickly switch to Daniel's pie. <laughs> I've got a Yorkshire Baker handcrafted steak and ale all butter short crust pastry case with a puff pastry lid. Yeah. Um, made in Malton. Um, let's have a look. Oh, that's a big chunk of steak. Yeah. It's good pastry. It's like golden. A good flake to it. 
Is it designed to be eaten as a as a cold pie? It's already cooked, yeah. You're not just eating a raw pie. <laughs> I, do, I don't know what you I do in the, in the. I don't know what you do up in the wilds up there. It was next to the sausage rolls and the scotch eggs. So I thought, oh, okay. yeah, it's got to be good. And how is it? It's very nice. I would have I quite that like a cold pie. Hmm. And a, a score? Have you got a score for that? Oh, what? Um, what? It's out of ten. Whatever you like. I'll give it an eight. Rob. Yeah, there we go. A nice whole number. Good, that's a very good. That's a good. And and your beer is that a delicious beer? It is good. Yes. Um, could do with some more carbonation, but other than that, it's it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll uh, I'll pop the um the soda stream in the post to you. Uh, Rob, has yours cooled down from? Yeah, uh, I've from just managed to have a little sunrise? mouthful. It's good. It's quite. As a lot of these pies are, the steak in it is is delicious. It's quite gelatinous, the you know the moist bit, but uh, it's tasty, and you can you can definitely taste a, a slight airiness to it. Um, I was going to get a, a seven point two. Right, um, my pie is called Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find it harder to eat a pie once you've named it, John? No, I didn't name it. It's come named. Uh, we need to talk about this pie. Um, <laughs> it's a, a mushroom, tomato and red wine pie with baby onions and thyme. It's a vegan pie. Um, my wife is hilarious. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's a pie min- minister, which okay. is normally quite popular. But, you know, a vegetarian pie with red wine sauce, it just doesn't sound good. The problem I've got at the moment is I'm, my, my daughter is sucking her thumb. So we're putting this horrible chemical on her hands. Um, but to get it onto her thumb, I have to paint my nails as well. So everything I touch or taste is this <laughs> disgusting bile flavoured thing. So it's not going to improve this pie This pie review. Um, oh, God, it's so hot. It tastes like heated up Dolmio in a in a bap. It's getting too. Oh, that sounds Kevin. delightful. Oh, no. Vegan pies. Get out of here. So what did Spock know about mostly... making pies? <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly tomato. It's just tomato with ugh, with Kevin. <laughs> you no. do have some terrible pies, John. I do. I do. I enjoy it. It's Good a, work, Jess. You know, Keep like them coming. Pins in my head. So, anything for the weekend, sir? What What are you up to, Daniel? May, you up to anything exciting? Well, I'm off to buy some records or oh yeah, of buy course, some records um, and just enjoy the sunshine. Although I think it's now going to be thunderstorms this weekend. So oh, don't say that. Yeah. It's just that was summer. It's gone. Marvelous. What about you, John? What are you up to? Um, I'm going to go out on my bicycle. Um, and I've try not to get lost. I won't get lost. I will. I will get lost. Cool. I'm. Uh, I'm heading to the New Forest for a couple of days. Oh, are you going? Are you going to that posh hotel in the middle of nowhere? Hmm. You well, are in the middle of. Not in the middle of nowhere. The, the one in uh, Brooklyn. The pig. Yeah. Wow. How oh, nice. A couple of nights there. Are you taking That's your inflatable flamingo? I'm not. It's been the, the, the inflatable flamingo has been donated to uh to uh, a loving family. <laughs> it's no longer Flossie is no longer with us. Has it been made into a pie? No. No. <laughs> Kevin. Not at all. Please. <laughs> <laughs> these ah. is, this pie is excellent, but these feathers are disgusting. <laughs> Right, uh, I'm going to go and uh, see if my daughter hasn't climbed out of a window. Um, 
Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate you coming uh, on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Commas. And uh, yeah, we look forward to um, staying in touch and uh, possibly meeting for a beer sometime. Yes, absolutely. Let's do that. We'll come up to York and, uh, and uh, come and see some of your restaurants. Do that. Great. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Good night. Bye.